Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, here as always, but joined by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny, what is making you happy in this world these days? Oh, God, you're, just, you're, you're trying too hard. Stop <laughs> trying. Stop trying. I'm not, no. You're evading, wanna... you're evading the question, Dan. Uh, yeah, of course I am. What's good what in your world? Um, right now, um, nothing is good. Nothing is good. All right. Well, don't say I never tried. I'm going to move on to something that's good in my world. Something that's good in my world is we've got a guest joining us tonight. He is Steve DeWald. He is a writer for Blazer's Edge, and he is on to talk about some of the articles that he's been writing about the pre-draft workouts and some of the uh, draft profiles that he's been doing. And then, of course, the free agency rumors are starting to crop up, so we're going to tackle some of those too. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to uh, to break up the monotony of the off season already. <laughs> yeah, so, like I said, nothing good in my world. I'm gonna bring well, this guy in. you know, if we were recording this directly after Game One of the finals, I think maybe it could have been more fun. But we're recording this right after Game Two, and personally. I did not feel very inspired or uplifted by that game. God, it was ugly. It was rough. Did you guys make oh. it all the way through? Nah, Be honest. I, tur- I turned it off. How far did oh. you make it? Uh, about seven minutes into the seven minutes left in the fourth, I think, is when I finally pulled the plug. Yeah, I was about the same spot. It was you. You could you could see the like the actual hope die. It's a lot like my daily life, so I'm I'm very familiar with what that looks like. (laughs) All right, Eeyore. Yeah, I think it was like the seventh or eighth step three that I that I turned away, and there really wasn't anything else good on TV either. So it's kind of a bleak night. I've kind of been looking forward to hopping on the podcast and talking to you guys. So let's go ahead and dive in. This weekend, the Blazers have had several uh, pre-draft workouts. The, the the combine was last weekend, and this weekend, players are actually flying into the practice facility to work out with the Blazers. Now, Steve, you've been writing a bunch of draft previews for particular players who are coming in, and one of the questions that I have is there are so many players who've declared for the draft. Now we know who's actually going to be sticking around because the, the deadline for people to withdraw from the draft has already happened, but there's still, I think what we counted like 77 players who have declared for the draft. Now the Blazers have the 24th pick. How do you like target which players you want to write about and take the time to get to know? I think it starts with position groups. So and kind of reading what the roster is going to look like after the summer. So obviously like Portland's biggest pressing issues this year, kind of in the the reserve backcourt and on the wing with Pat Connington and Shabazz Napier. And then they took two big men in the first round last year. So it's probably unlikely that they look to, to go big man that route, especially with Yusuf Nurkic probably coming back. Um, So I start there and then I really, my draft process starts with hoop summit last year. So I saw a lot of these, some of these guys last year here in Portland and then watching them through the college season. And then you kind of get an idea of wings. And then once you kind of get guys you like, you start, you know, comparing it to, you know, other experts in the field that not saying that I'm an expert, but following the other experts in the field, following other mock drafts, kind of seeing if, okay, am I crazy for putting this guy at the end of the first round? Or is this kind of, what it looks like and then just kind of monitoring guys who perform well at the combine or have a a really good tournament and just kind of going from there. And we started riding probably a month ago and I was very pleased to see that we weren't completely crazy because a lot of these guys are coming into Portland that we started riding about a month ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy on that front. Interesting. So, I mean, obviously you're probably, you know, bypassing, the you know the the lottery picks but there's you know kind of a probably a, a, a line in there where there's players that could go either way that could rise or could fall just in the amount of time that you've been preparing these uh draft profiles what what's some big movement of individual players that you have seen 
Well, I think probably the biggest surprise is we, I did a profile on him last week was Kevin Herter who plays for Maryland, who was kind of just this, I really didn't have a lot of notes on him. Like my notes for Maryland were primarily for Justin Jackson and, and this he's a, he's a shooting guard kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was a good three point shooter at Maryland, but he, all his measurables and his times were excellent at the combine. And, you know, I think he, I mean, he's come out and said that, Hey, I was going to go back to Maryland. And then he got, he, he since got a first round promise and now he's not, he's, he's stayed in the draft. And I mean, he's, he went from a second round deep mid second round pick to a first round promise or a guy who was likely just going to wait to come out next year. So that's probably the biggest mover I've seen. I mean, you're seeing guys like Zaire Smith and Chandler Hutchinson who in Hutchinson's case, he's a small school guy who put up monster numbers and he's performed. He performed really well to close of the season. Um, did really well at the combine well enough to where he's gotten basically a guarantee. Most people think it's from Chicago, uh, could be Portland, obviously. Uh, and then Zaire Smith, I mean, he was a guy who wasn't even a top 100 player coming out of high school plays one year at, at Texas tech has a monster year and people look at him like, Oh, okay. This, this guy looks like he's, he's the real deal. Um, so th- those kind of stories are kind of peppered all over the place. Once you get past the lottery. Um, it's so I know people talk about this kind of thing all the time when it comes to draft classes, but this year in particular feels like there's a lot of volatility. Like there it's, it's hard to, see past really 12 or 13 as far as picks go. Cause after that you start getting in a, I, I take a guy like Kata Bates job who has been loosely associated with Portland. I've seen him mocked anywhere from 14 to the second round. That's a massive, massive swing. So um, where these guys come from, their pedigrees and all that stuff that used to mean a ton has kind of changed. And it's really, what have you done for me lately? And that's, that, I think that influences a lot. I mean, I think you mean like simply what school they came from used to seem like it mattered more. Oh God. Yes. But I think you're getting more and more guys out of the, the smaller schools that perform well, the Damian Lowe's of the world, uh, more guys that, you know, spend four years in college and show that they can really do it like well, a, uh, like a Hutchison and, and things can change. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with to that to an extent, but there's still going to be five Duke players taken in probably the first 40 picks. And there's, you know, Arizona guys at the top of the draft and probably two Arizona first round picks. I mean, there, there's definitely that. And I, I think the volatility in this, in this class, I agree with, but I also feel like there's these big lumps of it's whatever. There's a lot of guys that are very similar in those. Like there's a lot of these small forward shooting guard types. And it's basically, it's going to come down to what these teams get from these guys in their personal interviews and in their, in their workouts really. Cause there's a lot, there's a big lump of these guys that are all very similar skill sets that have obvious, obvious flaws, but obvious strengths. And it's just, I think it's more of finding the right fit for your city and for your organization. I think for a lot of these guys. Yeah, if it's always going to mean a ton, but as far as like the, the the whole pedigree idea, I think part of that has changed with with those schools. Like you're saying, like Duke is going to have guys at the top. Yeah, I mean, sure they will, but they've also changed how they recruit. Same with Arizona. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these schools that used to favor the four year guys are no longer favoring the four year guys and going for the one and done um, mold, which is what I, I think you're seeing some that change. Sorry, Tara, what were you saying? Oh, no, I just, I had another question about something you both brought up, and that's this, like, he has a first-round promise. So I have to admit I have not paid super careful attention to the draft over the years. Last year was probably the first time I really started paying attention. But I don't recall hearing so many first-round promises. He had a first-round promise. Like, how does that work? How often do those come to fruition? Like, is that something that players can really depend on? It's it, it's happened for a long time, uh, and it was more handshake agreement because technically it's not allowed. Right. So, um, I mean, like it seems like perfectly natural that teams would be out there like handing out promises to all kinds of guys. But like, I, I think I think the flip side of, of of a broken promise is 
all these guys have agents and they represent clients that might already be on your roster and you might not be looking at a sweetheart deal if you burned one of the uh, a client uh, of that agent like I, I think there there's there's some some way i mean the you want to make sure that you're you're making good on these promises not just handing them out all willy-nilly so that's a place where having an agent so all those guys who came in and didn't have an agent who are trying to make decisions and might be getting promises through some other channel um there's a, an advantage of having an agent because the agent is more likely to, you know, be able to hold the team accountable, accountable, or at least like, uh, you know, pay them back if they don't go through with it. Yeah. And along those lines, um, but whether or not you agree with, with Neil O'Shea or not, he actually addressed this issue and why Portland has not done that really under his um, leadership. And that's ex- the exact reasons we're talking about here because what if you guarantee a player that you're going to draft him and then all of a sudden you get a trade deal that you're forfeiting your draft pick? Like, now now what? Now, are you going to not take a trade that's going to be good for your team? Or are you going to still honor that trade? It, it, it really limits your flexibility going into that point. Like, if you guarantee a player like that, you have to really, really, really understand what you're getting into Otherwise, you could put yourself in a hell of a bind. Yeah, or, or, I mean, outside of a trade, it's you might have a prospect that you never thought in a million years would fall to your draft position, then all of a sudden, for some reason, he's there when you're there to pick. I mean, it, it puts you, it definitely limits your flexibility when you start handing out those promises. Okay, well, let's move on to talking about the some of the guys that the Blazers have bringing have have brought in. So, say you're somebody who has limited capacity to keep track of every single person that the Blazers have brought in because they've brought in like a million so far. Who are some of the key people that you might suggest that uh, you know we should pay attention to? I mean, for me, it starts with. With Jacob Evans, the Cincinnati guard, I think he's got the right mix of a guy who can come in and possibly pick up minutes as a rookie, meaningful minutes in the backcourt rotation. He's a shooting guard. Um, He can guard three positions. Um, Got a good wingspan, just under seven feet. Uh, But he's he's got marketable skills right now, but he's also got a a little bit higher ceiling than a guy like uh, uh, Kyrie Thomas, who... uh, who's also been brought in he's from Creighton and he's, he's basically just a ready-made role player out of Creighton. And I mean, he's somebody who could play the same amount of minutes, but his ceiling is definitely significantly lower. Like what you see is what you get with him right now. Um, but it's a lot, it's a lot of these wing types. It's a lot of small forward shooting guards, the bigger men, the, the big guys you're seeing come in, or even some of the point guards outside of like Aaron holiday at point guard. I are more guys that are just kind of filling out those, those scrimmage rosters. So you have a a true big man and and a guard in those workouts, in my opinion. I mean, there might be some interest there, but I, the, there's a lot of wings that have been brought in. One of the more intriguing guys is I want to say he's been brought in. Like I said, it's hard to, to keep track, but is Melvin Frazier out of Tulane coached by former blazer blazer head coach, Mike Dunleavy at, at Tulane last year, took a massive leap from his junior to his senior year or sophomore to his junior year. Um, has incredible measurables, a, a great athlete, but you know, there, he doesn't have an impressive body of work. I mean, the jump from his sophomore to his junior year was so significant that you almost want to see a little bit more body of work, but he performed great at the combine. He played in the scrimmages the first day, played so well and got some good feedback. It sounded like, so he shut it down after day one. And I'm interested to see if he can carry that momentum over into a place like Portland because he's a guy who could come in and kind of be that wing presence, be that cutter, be, you know, and hopefully develop into an outside shooter. But those are, so those, some of the guys I've been watching. How about you, Dan? Uh, yeah. Um, Steve's a little higher up on Evans than I am. I I, I like Evans as a player. Um, I love guys from Cincinnati. Um, like that Cincinnati and Marquette, are like the two schools. Like actually, you throw Villanova in there now with Jay Wright. Like if you tell me you've got a pro ready prospect from one of those schools, and you give me basically any other school in the country, I'm going to take the, the guy from one of these schools. The, those three schools, in my mind, produce some of the most fundamentally sound 
athletic, tough, hard-nosed, hard-working, good locker room guys um, that I think you're going to find in the league. And I know that's crazy to say, you know, when you talk about like a Kenyon Martin or something like that from Cincinnati, but he was a guy that was beloved throughout his career. Um, but I, I just like the guys that come out of there. I, I know a lot of people are really high on Hutchison. Um, I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on uh, on Herter from, from Maryland. Um, I, I know for everybody who's wondering, another shooter from Maryland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gonna give Jake a run for his money. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I want I, I want Portland to not even invite Grayson Allen to a workout. Love of God, please don't do that. Um, a guy like Dante DiVincenzo again is a Villanova guy, um, but I think that's that a case of another guy who got really hot in the tournament. Um, he can shoot the threes and he, he's athletic, but beyond that, what's he really going to do? Um, well, it's kind of funny. Steve, Steve and I usually agree on, on a lot of prospects, but I'm actually higher on a guy like a Kyrie Thomas. Um, I, 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 I like Kyrie Thomas. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think his ceiling is necessarily sterling. Like I think he's a safe pick. Don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. So let me ask you this of all these guys that y'all have mentioned, you know, how, how do you weigh what they bring next to what the guys who are already sitting on the bench have in Portland? Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, here's the problem with that. What do the guys on the bench bring? And if we knew that night in night out, this wouldn't be such a crapshoot. Well, but the, you would think that the coaches know more than we do, right? Cause they well, see them yeah, in mean, practice at least. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the glaring hole on this team, it, it's no secret, is at the wing positions. The problem is there's not a ton of 6'7 to 6'9 guys, even 6'6 six, six guys, that are readily available to draft where Portland's picking. Like, once you – it really stops at about 17 or 18. And that's where guys like Troy Brown, Kyrie Thomas, um, Jop, Kevin Knox – uh, I've seen all those guys kind of mocked in, in Hutchinson. I mean, that's, that's basically where it stops. And then mm-hmm. after that, it's point guard, shooting guard, point guard, shooting guard, shooting guard, point guard, point guard, shooting guard. And they're all 6'3". You get a couple 6'5 guys in there who are probably 6'4". But beyond that, and that's 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 the predicament that, problem's in, or that Portland's in. Mm-hmm. So and it's out of their control. I, yeah. So Portland's in a position where they need to draft best player available um, to get talent on cheap contracts. But, like, positionally – they need so much help on the wings and that's just not there for where Portland's at right now. And that, that's the real problem, at least for me. Um, and that's where I can see where, where Steve's saying a guy like Jacob Evans could be a fit because he's the one guy I've seen a little bit behind where Portland's mocked consistently. So he may be the one guy with size, length, versatility who could actually slot into that position. So the Blazers, let's say, call you up and say, okay, we want to know, we, we're, we're bringing you in and we want one minute for you to tell us what we need to do with this draft pick. How would you respond to that? Who is to go first? What's your elevator pitch for what the Blazers, what you would do? Not like, you know, what's the perfect thing because there's probably a million different perfect things or like five different perfect things, but what would you pitch to them given the, given the chance? Okay. Well, the first pitch is not very fun for this exercise, but do you know someone who wants Myers Leonard and do you want the number 24 pick in the draft? I think, I think that's, that's probably fair. Pitch. Or, or Evan Turner or, you know, one of the less, less favorable contracts, but I think use it. So you're saying use it to move someone. Yes. Use it to move, to move a contract. And don't worry about if your goal is to really keep Dame happy and have a, have a team that's competitive and make a splash this off season, increase your flexibility and use this pick to, to ship it to a team that's looking for, for one of these young wings or young shooting guards that are in this area, because there's going to be a lot of them on the, there's going to be a few of them on the board at pick number 24 would be, that would be my pitch as, as unfun as that sounds, but. Sounds pre- sounds pretty reasonable to me. Like you know, you're you're you aren't going in with a person or with a uh, recommendation for a type. You're going in with a recommendation on what they should do with that pick, and that is to use it to package with something else. How about you, Dan? I mean, there's two trains of thought. One is you need to to constantly restock, and Portland's in a position where they don't have any real cheap controlled talent other than Collins. 
So that school of thought says use it and draft somebody. And they've done well enough in the draft um, over the last six years that, I mean, how many guys have they really missed on? I mean, even Myers, did they really miss? I mean, if you look back at the draft at, at that period, nobody else is really showing up all, all, all that well uh, in that pick range. So, um, I, you know, I, I trust them to do what they need to do there, but I, I totally get where Steve's coming from. There was a, a fan post on Blazers Day the other day, uh, trade with every team, and there was one that was packaged up with the 24 and Myers for Alec Burks. Um I don't think that's enough for Utah, but um, something like that would be great for Portland. Um, you, you get <laughs> you get some wing versatility, even if it is a little bit volatile. Um, Burks is, is a guy that can no doubt generate points off the dribble, and outside of Damon CJ, that's just not there. Um, I, I think that's somewhat realistic, but I, I don't know how willing Utah's is to take on ten million dollars in contracts. Um, for a Rudy Gobert um, safety valve. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys had each. The, the, the only other opportunities here are packaging that up with CJ and Collins for something wild. I mean, yeah. they're just not in a position where that pick is that valuable. Like, if this is a, an end of the lottery pick where somebody like Miles Bridges, um, Shea, Knox, um, something along those lines, or one of the the – one of the point guards, um, like uh, Colin Sexton, like falling too far, um, then, you know, you would have some real ammunition to do something with it. Um, but the 24th pick, it's just, all it is is a guaranteed contract. Uh, that's, that's all it is at this point, um, unless Portland hits a home run with, with a late pick. So, you know, what are the odds? And, and really what's scary about that 24 pick, too, is, as far as value goes, is there's so many of those similar player types there that a team could easily wait to pick 31 and try to purchase that pick or try to trade into that second round and get a player that has, you know, very similar upside as you would get at number 24. Yeah, you see a guy like Aaron Holiday who's mocked anywhere from 21 to like 35. Mm-hmm. Or, or I, mean, Mel, it, I mean, Melvin Frazier, I already brought up. I mean, that he could go anywhere from 20 to, to 40 easy. And same with Kevin. I mean, yeah, D'Anthony Melton's another guy, you know, USC kid who, as a freshman, was a stud, but didn't get a chance to play really at, at USC because of the FBI investigation. Um, but, I mean, I know a lot of people see upside in him. But, like, here, like exactly, we can, we can rattle off, like, four or five guys that can easily go in that range. I mean, Bruce Brown Jr. is a guy who's mocked, I think, as high as 18 and as low as, like, 40. Mm-hmm. So it, you you can get a non-guaranteed second-round contract on one of these guys, kind of like what Portland did with Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb was mocked as a, as a first-round guy, pretty solid first-round guy, especially as the Pac-12 player of the year and a guy who could shoot. But he, they let him fall, and then Portland sees the opportunity to move up and grab him. Well, we'll see what happens on draft night. It's kind of hard to get too worked up and excited over just one draft pick, but I'm going to do it. And by next week I'll be fired up and I will bring it all. I will bring all of the draft enthusiasm next week. Now that you y'all have given me stuff to thought, think, to think about stuff to thought about <laughs> something to thought about. Yep. Well, let's move on and talk about free agency. Cause the, the, some, some interesting rumors are starting to pop up. I mean, there's always interesting free agency rumors, but some involving blazers and even a little bit of detective work have, uh, have cropped up. And the first free agency watch topic, I'll call it free agency watch topic to talk about has to do with our own Yusuf Nurkic this was brought to the attention uh, by a Reddit user on the Rip City Reddit channel. Um, his the username is Ballrock Mather. I don't know what all these all these usernames. I don't know how to pronounce them. So anyway, Ballrock Mather. That's probably some reference that I don't know what it is to, like some video game reference or something. But anyway, this Reddit user uncovered an article in a Bosnian newspaper called BH Basket. And in this article, the director of the Bosnian national team was talking about which players were going to be playing in the upcoming World Cup qualifying rounds. And in the interview, the director said that Nurkic will not be playing since he can't, be, can't play for the Bosnian team until he signs a new contract, which won't happen until July 1. 
And the really interesting thing, and part of it we're all wondering is like how much of it has to do with translation because we had to get it translated <laughs> from Google Translate and everybody knows that's not like, you know, the most reliable translation. But in it, it sounded like he was saying that there was a deal in place already for use of Nurkic. So I, I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to look into this yet today, but um, if you did or if you have any thoughts on it, I would love to hear them. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time I think that something had been done early. I mean, Alfred Camino signed with the Blazers at midnight. I mean, it, 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 it violates the um, spirit of the rule, but not the letter of the rule as far as talking. Well, I thought he couldn't talk to anybody until he was with – the team. I mean, he could talk to his own team. He can't, but um, his agent can. Okay. So his agent could be talking to other teams. So this doesn't necessarily lean towards it being the Blazers. No, no, no. I I think it's, it's most assuredly the Blazers. Um, If, if Nurkic wants to stay here and he wants to have a deal done quick, fast and early um, so he can go about his business. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising at all. Um, I found this a little bit shocking if, if you're reading into it that he could possibly already have a deal in place and it's back to Portland. There's a couple different ways it could go. It could be the qualifying offer after the moratorium, or it could be a deal they're going to agree upon, you know, pretty quickly. Um, it's, I mean, it's, can it's you talk crazy. through those two different scenarios? So the qualifying offer is like a set amount would, would be. Like, yeah, I did the math on it once before. Right. It's a, it, it was like four and a half or something, I think you yeah, said. Something like that. Um, but And the qualifying like, offer, like, is a set amount based on his, like, rookie his wages. rookie scale, uh-huh. scale contract on the number that he was drafted and how, how much he was a starter and all that. So that's like a set exactly. amount. The Blazers, could the Blazers in a qualifying, what I'm getting at is, can a qualifying offer, like, could they offer more than that? Or is it just like a set amount? They could technically. That's why it's called a qualifying offer. That's the minimum amount they uh, they could offer for that. But I don't know if they would do a qualifying offer more than that because I don't know. It'd be kind of weird. Um, but obviously that puts Portland in a weird position going into unrestricted free agency with Nurkic a year later. Um, I mean, if they're gonna spend the money on him, spend the money on him and get him for a couple of years. At least that's how I look at it. Um, but as far as the moratorium goes, because he's a restricted free agent, he can't technically sign until then. But he could have it. Uh, you know, done and agreed upon um, going into that period. I mean, there's nothing to say that that can't happen. Um, it can be a wink and a handshake, and they just kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, this is this is this is kind of a weird deal. Nurkic is a guy who's really really busy on Instagram, <laughs> and he hasn't posted since the last day of the season. Uh-huh. So I wonder if he's just kind of shutting it down um, until everything's all done. Mm. Uh, why would he do that? It's like he doesn't want to hear the noise. He's like made his decision and he doesn't want to hear any noise or he just wants to get away and clear his head. Yeah, I I think that can be part of it. Um, He's a guy that definitely goes home in the offseason. He said he'll split time between Portland and Bosnia. So um, good for him. Get out, get away, clear your head, come back, be the Bosnian beast. Um, Steve, uh, what were your thoughts when you heard about this? I, I, with it being restricted free agency and being a little more nuanced than a, a normal free agency, I kind of want to wait till I see a little clearer translation on what exactly they're getting at there. Um, I would be shocked if, from Yusuf Nurkic's standpoint, to if he would agree to a qualifying offer that soon. I mean, you're talking about a big man that's basically only had you know one healthy season since he's been in the NBA. So, may, signing a one-year qualifying offer is especially right out of the gate is like a huge gamble because I mean, he's going to be wanting extra years on that contract, especially with his injury history. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it is a, as a, if he wants to settle for a more modest deal with Portland, like, you know, and get a couple more years and something like a, like the Myers Leonard deal that Myers Leonard left on the table uh, initially um, before he signed the extension. Um, I, I I just I would I'm hesitant to buy into too much of that article until I see something that's not from Google Translate. 
Well, I've been saying for a while that I think that he that there are compelling reasons for him to take the qualifying offer. So I would not be surprised if that's what it was. Um, I think that for him, the you know the the time that he's been in Portland, he seems to really like it. He fits in really well. He's happy uh, paired up with Damian Lillard. He had a very unpleasant experience somewhere else, and he just strikes me as the kind of person who doesn't want to start all over again. And looking around and seeing what the market is for centers right now and knowing that next year we're just going to be that much closer to being able to offer him more money, um, I, think there's, I think there's enough reasons in there that he would seriously consider it. Um, and I just, I just hope, and I've said this before, that if Brooklyn comes out and offers him a huge bunch of money, that the uh, Blazers have the fortitude to be like, "We really like you, but we're not spending seventeen million dollars a year." <laughs> I just, I hope well, they have a number and are solid on it, at least not yet. Well, I, I think I agree. I think the qualifying offer for those reasons makes sense for Nurkic, but it doesn't make sense for him to agree to it that early. Like why not wait and see if like the Mavericks, for instance, strike out on all these big men, they're supposedly going to be chasing and throw him a lucrative contract. I mean, he's going to Carlisle, who's a Stotts guy. And I, I would assume, I mean, Stotts has, you know, had his moments with Nurkish this year, but I, I think with Nurkish's injury history, I think he's got to look at locking down a long-term deal. And this is his first major contract that he's going to be signing. So that's why, I, that's why I just don't buy into this early signing in July. Like I, I, I think it's going to be a drawn out. Pro- it could potentially be a drawn out process unless he's already agreed to a semi long-term deal or a modest hometown discount for Portland. Wishful. Thinking I think, I mean, well, no, I, honestly, I think you're onto something because He's got a guy in his locker rocker room in Myers Leonard who can tell him, you know, be careful betting on yourself. Now, Myers was able to pull out the contract out of that. Um, but if Nurk is just sitting there going, eh, I think they may have learned from this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to test this scenario. Um, getting that money locked in um, when you're a guy that, that has been nicked up throughout his career Um I mean, that's, that's, that's a big-time move, especially when you see a guy like Lou Williams sign for $7 million. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's a funky, funky market, and gambling on yourself as a seven foot, 280-pound dude, uh, I mean, unless your name is Shaq, it's, it's, the durability just, ha- it just isn't there. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I mean, a couple months ago, we were all talking about Boogie being uh, the super max guy. Boogie may be bigger, more talented Zach Randolph for the rest of his career now because of his Achilles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the reality that these guys face, that one snap, one tear, one break, and if you don't have the, the big-time deal already in place or semi-big-done deal, um, you're never going to get a chance at it again. Yeah. You both make compelling points, and I think uh... – uh, it's going to be fascinating, and half of me wants it to be over by, you know, 12.01 on July 1. Drag it out. Give us the talk about it. <laughs> But yeah. I think that might be asking a little much <laughs> to think it could be over that fast. <laughs> well, let's move on to the uh, the uh, another uh, rumor or um, an idea somebody has floated up there about Omri Caspi. Uh, Dan Flavel of Bleacher Reports, uh, Bleacher Report, uh, talked about uh, Omri Caspi being somebody that the Blazers could go after in free agency. And we could just pause for a minute and, uh, you know, reflect back a couple years on the last free agency and all the big names that we were chasing and how now we're like narrowing it down going, okay, Omri Caspi, he could really be someone the Blazers could really focus on. Oh, it's been a long two years. No, so. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, these are the kind of guys that Portland needs on their roster, though. I, I, I saw a few people on Twitter and, and in the comment section on Blazers Edge, and I'm just like, wow, no, pass. Uh. And I'm like, because Portland has this like glut of players that are 6'9", can shoot, attack off the dribble, and are multifaceted. Like, Yeah, you're being sarcastic <laughs> about that. <laughs> Like, are you kidding me? This is just, he's going to come at the vet minimum. Like, what? This is exactly the kind of guy. You, you have no money. You have no bargaining chips. 
Like what? <laughs> what do you think, Steve? Yeah, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I think you got to go back to go back to you know the the Chris Kamen, Steve Blake part three off season where it's you know they didn't have a lot of money. They had the exceptions that they could use. They had the MLE and the biannual taxpayer ML uh, exception, and you know they went out and they got Chris Kamen, who was a serviceable third big man on that roster. Played you know meaningful minutes. Steve Blake was you know they didn't overpay to keep Mo Williams, and they brought. Steve Blake in and he, you know, he did Steve Blake things. So if Omri Caspi is that guy for that money, I mean, Omri Caspi would probably be playing minutes in the finals right now if it wasn't for Cook playing so well when he was called up from the G League to to spell when Curry was injured. So I mean, yeah. Cas- Caspi can play in legit rotations. So I I think like Dan said do you have a guy who can make sure the defense pays attention to you and shoot threes and space the floor? You know, can he not be a complete liability on defense? Like that's, you know, Portland needs to invest in these type of guys, especially on the perimeter, because there's not a lot of those guys out there that are going to be modestly priced. I mean, look, look at it this way. If you had Omri Cassie on this team this last year, how many minutes a game does he get? Oh, is he a, is he a forward? Yeah, he's he's a three four. He's six nine six ten. So I mean, he, he he would have been getting probably eighteen to twenty two minutes a night. Mm-hmm. So and he's getting Mo's minutes and and some of Aminu's minutes, or Aminu's playing more four. Caspi's playing three. Some some yeah. of Connington's minutes too, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, then, then you don't have probably as many minutes for Shabazz. You have CJ on the floor as the primary ball handler. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that he's 6'9". The difference between 6'5 and 6'9 is becoming more apparent all the time. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the fad in the NBA right now, and it's really teams like Houston, Golden State, um, and really the, the Spurs have done it for years. Like this, I, Everyone wants to talk about the Houston Rockets being this forward-looking team. Take a look at the Spurs of the last 20 years. They get guys like Ime Yudoka and Bruce Bowen and Kawhi Leonard, um, Sean Elliott. I mean, they've had these just unbelievably irritating, just grating to play against 3 and D guys, and it's Kawhi being the superstar among them, um, that they've plugged in at the twos and threes for years and years and years, and they just seem to have a pile of them always. I mean, they just keep pulling them out of nowhere. And then meanwhile, you've got Portland over. I mean, the last time they had a wing that was even remotely threatening and consistent uh, is, is Nick Batum. And that's scary. Uh-huh. So we have two votes for Omri Caspi, one and a half. Steve, are you an, are you an enthusiastic and Omri, for Omri Caspi? Or are you like, eh, we could, the Blazers could do better. I, I think at that price point, I think it's tough not to, but uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's, you know, is that is the veterans happened. minimum? When you say that price point, is that what you mean is the veterans? Well, minimum? I would, I would assume that I don't think Portland ever really gets that discount. I think you're probably going to dip into some exception money. At mm-hmm. that point, it might not be a full exception, but I'm thinking it'll probably be some. The Northwest premium that's added on top for yep. having to come so far away from everybody else. Yeah. It's enough, it's enough to cover your taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, the final free agent rumor that I have, uh, that I'll, that I'll bring up and you guys can feel free to throw some in there as well is the, uh, Richard Jefferson, uh, came on Jalen and Jacoby last week. Jalen was out and he sat in for him with, uh, David Jacoby and he told everybody that LeBron James is coming to Portland. So I guess we're done. Right. Oh oh God. It's only (laughs) sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we all know that this was sarcasm. This is satire. I mean, it, you know how sometimes when you read articles on the internet and they're like at the top of it, it's like this is satire. This is satire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reasons that he gave are, you know, LeBron is a Nike man, so basically, you know, what two thirds of the NBA would be coming to Portland, right? Because they're all Nike men. <laughs> it really mattered. I mean, Portland would have had. <laughs> 
so many guys. What these guys do is like, oh, hey, I play in Portland once a year or two or three or four times or two or, yeah, or two times yeah. a year. Yeah. And I'll stop off at the Nike store. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's mm-hmm. what that brings. I'll drop by, say hi, get some stuff from the Nike store. Yeah, totally. The employee store. Yeah, well, and um, he also said that LeBron could get his shoes made faster if he was in, <laughs> in Portland. I'm sure they're probably handmade in Beaverton. Of course. Of course. Aren't all Nikes made in Beaverton? I bet you, Le- I bet you LeBron's all right. That's actually a discussion that I had with somebody the other day. Like, if you were a top three player in the league, are your shoes still made in China? Or do they, like, custom make your shoes based on, like, your foot mold? Oh, in in the lab, in the headquarters. Like, do you think has no room? I can't speak to NBA players, but I know Cristiano Ronaldo gets his foot plate custom made in the Portland facility. Like, he (gasps) he comes out to Portland to work out there just to get his foot mold made, and then that's what goes in his shoes. Oh my God! That's, Richard Jefferson is right. LeBron is coming to Portland. <laughs> well, you, you think about a guy, a soccer player. Like those guys have their like. If, if, if you ever see, want to see something funky, just Google uh, soccer player feet. Yeah, no. Like, if you want, for all all the women out there who love David Beckham, Google his feet. They're the most <laughs> mangling things you've ever seen. The only feet I've seen worse than his are uh, Wes Matthews. Wes or Shaq's. Oh, God. Well, Shaq used to do most of the damage. Those, those big monster, what are they, size 22 quadruple E's? Mm. But, yeah, I mean, see, now, now I'm wondering if LeBron does have those custom molds because you, you'd have to think when you're that guy, like you have your own shoe line, like that, that, that's got to be a real thing. So maybe, maybe they are like hand stitching those things in Beaverton for him. Come to Portland, LeBron. Now. <laughs> Dame needs a third option. Yep. Shout out to guys at Trailblazing. Uh, <laughs> I love that that got like the actual run and people were like, oh, I can't believe these guys are serious. It's like, it's more sarcasm, folks. But <laughs> as, as far as like, the, the rest of free agency, uh, wings are obviously where Portland needs to look. Like, I would love if Portland somehow, some way, was able to take a flyer on a Jabari Parker or had the money for a, a Tyreek Evans or hell, even a, a Mario Hazonia. Like, just. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's got some potential, who's athletic, who's long. Um, but, I mean, the, the, where they're sitting financially, you have to look at the Omri Caspies of the world because that's all you can afford unless you're going to ship out that 24th pick and something of value for a guy like an Alec Burks. That's just kind of the situation they find themselves in. So not LeBron James is what you're saying? I mean, I, I would send Myers Leonard in the 24th pick for LeBron James. Get him on the uh, phone. Is that, is that not something we we hear? Get him, get him on the phone. Except for LeBron is a free agent, so would you have to sign and trade him? Sign and trade. Sign and trade. That sounds okay. Okay, we'll we'll get our people working on that. Well, we're gonna have plenty more free agency stuff to discuss in the upcoming weeks. There's a couple little stories that I just wanted to touch on. Get your guys' thoughts on one. Um, I don't know, probably doesn't uh, bear too much comment, but it's exciting nonetheless, and that is that Damian Lillard has uh, won the NBPA Backbone Award, which is the award that each team picks out for their um, player who represents the backbone of the team. And Damian, no giant surprise that Damian Lillard was selected by the Trailblazers. Um, I believe on the Outsiders, Dan, I saw you guys making fun of the fact that uh, – we're making light of the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge was chosen by San Antonio. Yeah, that, that was surprising. Was I not? wanted to stand up for LaMarcus on this one um, because LaMarcus was in a situation this year where he once again was the last man standing when everybody else around him was going down with injuries. I, I don't disagree. I mean, you know, I'm a LaMarcus fan. It uh-huh. was more for Joe and Shane. Like, I mean, I, I know where they, they sit on that issue. Um, considering what happened here in Portland that LaMarcus demanded a trade in, in San Antonio a while back, the chaos there with Kawhi, I mean, I can see why both sides kind of look at it this way because LaMarcus really did carry this team this year. Yes, I mean, he, he it, did. It was Vince 
LaMarcus. And that is, um, again, not what he signed up for. He was going there to play with Kawhi, just like he was here, yeah. you know, playing with, you know, the third leg of a three-legged stool. Um, and yeah. he ended up being the only one that didn't break. Yeah. How crazy is it that the guy, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, who got a Wolf Parkinson's white uh, disease and has basically heart surgery, was it, second year of his career, and has been a guy that's been this durable. Yeah. And then he, he had it again. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's really remarkable considering how big he is and the uh, the wear and tear that he takes. Um, so yeah, me personally, I I thought it was kind of cool, but I, I think with all the history and background, you know, at least with Portland and kind of the disarray in San Antonio for him personally, um, you know, wanting to get out of there at one point, uh, I think that kind of speaks a lot to his character, right? Like maybe he maybe that whole thing about him wanting to kind of reconcile with Dame and come back to Portland. Maybe he did learn how to be a leader while he was down there. Well, I just wanted to uh, get that out there because I thought that I think it's awesome that Damien got it. And I think there's like no question. And I don't know why, you know, there would be a second of hesitation coming out of Portland. But I, I think there were a lot of people kind of looking sideways at LaMarcus is that selection. Steve, do you have thoughts on those? I think you can get good at leadership and put thoughts into it when you're taking private flights back from Memphis to Portland. <laughs> that's what, that's your leadership meditation time. Yep. Yep. So you're not giving him an inch. Nope. That's fair. Yeah. We're coming from there. I wanted to bring this up. This is totally unrelated. Well, kind of related to the last topic here with LeBron James. Uh, CJ McCollum and Jerry Dudley are going back and forth on Twitter talking about where LeBron James should go. And <laughs> this back and forth is actually pretty hilarious. Um, CJ McCollum's asked Jared where Dudley, where he has LeBron. He's, and Dudley says, Houston, the Warriors have forced his hand. CJ responds, listen to this. Lowell, that's actually not a bad prediction. They got to make room. This is a guy talking about trading other people, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be Capella have to get rid of EG and figure out a way to move Ryan Anderson contract possible, but tough. Ryan Windhorse hops in and says, some would say the Cavs should trade for you with the number eight pick. Mm-hmm. Is, none of this is tampering. <laughs> no, this is, this is two players and a reporter. And what I oh, find CJ. is, is a guy, uh, Jason McIntyre who uh, works for uh, FS1. Uh, says not even Daryl movie Daryl Morey can move that Ryan Anderson contract. You know the one that Portland was rumored uh, to possibly pick up. And CJ just replied with five crying face laugh emojis. All uh, right, we're I, getting in uh, the weeds here on this one. No, no, there's so much irony in this this tweet in these tweets that it's it's ridiculous. CJ just a couple weeks ago was talking about trades and lateral moves and value. And I've heard him talk about how you're not supposed to talk about another man's money. Uh, here he is talking about trades, talking about other people's money, talking about other people's contracts. Um, so just, you're saying he's getting good... involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the, the Brian Windhorse one, and this is the main point I wanted to bring this up for, would either of you trade C.J. McCollum for I think the the way it works out is like Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith in the eighth pick. Steve, I I would not do it unless I knew where Michael Porter Jr. was on the draft board. I I, I almost knew exactly what your answer was going to be because he's the one that's going to be there in that range. If if Michael Porter Jr. is there at eight, I sear I take a long look at that. I. I look at that trade proposal long. If I'm Neil O'Shea, I look at that longer than I'd like to admit because you're I letting think, the clock down to 10 seconds on that one, huh? Exactly. And that, that's kind of the only way I would really look at that. He's the only guy who kind of moves the needle for me at that spot. How much longer are on Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith's contracts? <laughs> there can't be. And JR's two years on, in on the JR thing. Wasn't Portland one of the only teams that kind of was feigning interest in him when he was a free agent a few years ago? It I was don't remember Portland, that. It was when Portland had, it was right after LaMarcus left. 
And it was that summer. It was that I think, summer. I think they were one of the teams that kind of met with him. Um, well, let's see. I'm always an advocate for shaking. Well, I don't know if I'm always an advocate, but in this case, I think I would advocate. I might uh, shake things up if it meant that, um, depending on how much is what the contract situation is for Dude, those guys. Got two years. Corver's got two years. Corver's at seven and a half million. He's not a problem. Jr. Jr. is at fifteen. <laughs> My my favorite spot, though, not not necessarily the Cavs pick, is seeing how much interest. I think there's enough pieces and the number ten pick with Philadelphia that there's a trade that's interesting for me. And I know it's been the Ringers talked about it, and there's been other outlets that talk about Port, like C.J. McCollum being an interesting piece for the 76ers. And I think if you can get Robert Covington, who is like the perfect two-way small forward for Portland to play next to Dame, and you get a number ten pick. You know, I, I think that's, and it also depends on what falls to that number 10 pick too, but that's my favorite spot to move up involving CJ. It, it's definitely a weird position to kind of find yourself in, um, you know, where a year or two ago, we're talking about trading CJ for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and now CJ's talking about trading himself. Yeah. <laughs> circle of life, circle of NBA life. Well, uh, before we go, I have we have a, an email question that I wanted to run past you guys. Um, so let me. This is from uh, Dan and Olivia. Hey guys, how you doing down there? So this is what they say. Um, I realize you guys addressed Myers Leonard in the last podcast, but in this discussion of the future of the Blazers front court, not a single mention of Leonard who is being paid $10 million a year. He's not even an option when there's nothing else. Danny even said at one point that if Davis is not re-signed and Nurk is not re-signed and that will leave Aminu as the heaviest player. Myers Leonard has disappeared. Now that I think about it, Swanigan was never mentioned either. I know you guys talked on that last week in relation to Myers, but just thought it was, again, pretty amazing. Perhaps you could dedicate some time to speaking about Swanigan and where he fits into all of this regards to Davis and Nurk and their future with the team or not. So that's the question. And I think, it you know, we were talking about some of the younger players earlier when we were talking about the draft. So. What is, do you think, the role of Swanigan? How will we know, like, what the Blazers are thinking about what the role of Swanigan is going to be? Um, I mean, for Swanigan, it's no secret. I, I love Swanee. Um, I love his energy. I love his skill set. Um, if, for him, it's just about getting on the floor and making the right decisions at the right time. Uh, and he's kind of buried on the depth chart because Aminu's at the four. Um, they want to get Colin some time immediately because he's got the the hybrid, the flex positional ability, um, where Swanigan's kind of more stuck in what he is. Um, I don't think we really know what the plan for Swanigan is until you know you get into the preseason and then early in the regular season, if, if things change, um, I, I like him. I think he can be a productive NBA player who sticks around in the league doing a couple things really well. Um, and that's rebound the ball and be kind of a playmaking hub in the high post and occasionally step out and knock down a three. If he can do those things and not be, um, a liability defensively, um, above the free throw line, then he's got a consistent career that he can play through. And I, I'd like to see that with Portland. Um, but, I mean, uh, there's there's so many bigs on this team right now, and the the way things are structured, I just don't see him getting a lot of time unless things change drastically. I, I guess kind of what this came down to for me too was like, is it really? Are we looking? Are, are we to the point now where Myers isn't going to get any playing time, and Swanigan is the next man up? I mean, Swanee's buried, or Myers is buried, right? I mean, that that's what you got to go with, right, Steve? Yeah, I, I think I think they've kind of how they how this team has progressed. Big men. I mean, Zach Collins did play a lot for a rookie for Terry Stotts' standards as a big man, but I think Swanigan is that next guy. He, he performed well in the G League last year. I like Dan said his biggest problem is his foot speed when he's put in pick and rolls. You know, when he's outside of the you know that restricted area and. If he, that's something that he can mitigate with experience and, 
and just making sure he's definitely in the right spot and being familiar with the offenses that he's facing. But yeah, I, I think he's probably the next man up when it comes to Myers Leonard. I just think that they're just this, I want Myers to get an opportunity somewhere and I just don't, I just don't think it's going to be in Portland. I mean, really that's what it comes down to. I mean, we, we've kind of talked about this as the season wound down. Um, I've heard it kicked around that he's kind of, you know, burnt out the um, Portland's coaching staff and management um, as far as, you know, giving him opportunities. Like the only way he's going to get an opportunity going forward is if he makes it happen and he has to have some things happen along the way. There has to be an injury or he has to severely outperform somebody for a sustained period of time to even get a, a look at this point in time, because I think he's exhausted his chances, um, at least here in Portland. Now, I, I, I've always been a proponent of Myers. I've been a fan of him. I like him as a person. I like him, like him as a player. He just gets in his own way. And if he, can, if he ever gets past that, he'll be a very solid pro in the NBA. But that's a big hurdle to overcome this far into his career. So, I mean, I, I hope he figures it out, because if he figures it out, Portland's got somebody who can stretch the floor again. I mean, that, that, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, I think a fresh start somewhere else would be the best opportunity for him. And it sounds like to me what you were saying with Swanigan is that he just – we don't know enough about where he fits because we just didn't see him on the floor enough because that wasn't – that wasn't in the cards for this year. It generally isn't in the cards for rookies on Terry Stotts' teams unless you're like, you know, Damian Lillard or I guess Zach Collins for this last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. back real quick on, on Myers Leonard, like one of the things I was really, and I think it's, I've heard it been talked about before. It's not definitely not an original idea for me, but something that piqued my interest was if one of the, like if Tibbetts or Vanderpool landed somewhere else and if they, you know, secretly really liked Myers Leonard, you know, were they, would they go to that team and go, Hey, I know a center that's not being used at all right now and we could get him for nothing we could get him for a protected you know second round pick or cash considerations and that's it and and when the you know the window closed for those guys that was you know not only was it for their coaching opportunity but that's also something i viewed as like that was an opportunity for myers to get to go to somewhere and play but possibly that's all long shot speculation but that was something that i was watching as the coaching carousel went through Long shot speculation will be the name of our new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Well, this seems like a good place to wind it up for the night. We managed to um, talk about all kinds of topics. Steve, thank you so much for joining us tonight and giving us some of your uh, thoughts on some of the guys coming in to get workouts with the Blazers. Can you tell folks, um, are, are you doing regular uh, columns or how can they find your work? Um, I'm still just hammering out these draft profiles. We're going to try to bring it all the way up into the draft. I think about a week out, we're going to start a mock draft series where me and Brian Freeman did it last year, and we're planning on doing it again this year where we work through every pick. Um, we give our thoughts on everything. Um, also, as far as the profiles go, we're kind of exhausted what's around Portland's draft range. So we're going to kind of – we're playing around with the idea of doing a – what if Portland could move up to, you know, 10 through 15 and what players are eight through 15 and what players would they be looking at there? So I think we'll have some profiles on that and those will be labeled a little bit differently than the ones we've been doing right now. But other than that, I'm pretty regular on, on Blazers edge. I'm at least probably get a couple profiles out a week or something draft related a couple times a week. And you're on social media as well? Yep. On Twitter, I am at Steve D. Hoops. And you can find me there, bug me there. If you want to talk about a prospect or anything, please add me and maybe we can get a profile put together if it's somebody you're very interested in knowing a little more about. All right. And I am at TCB Biggs on uh, Twitter, and you can also follow the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. We just had an episode come out last week with Jamie Hudson. We had a great time talking about the 15 things that we liked about the season. Dan, we talked about the things that we liked, and we had no problem coming up with a number of them. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
She's a she's a lot cheerier, let's say, than than you tend to be. Not that I'm saying I've never seen you cheery before, but on a whole, for an entire hour, she sustained it a little bit longer than you usually can. So that's how you can find me, Dan. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? Hi, folks. You can find me uh, on Twitter at dmarang, D-M-A-R-A-N-G, just like it sounds. Also, I'm Blazers Outsiders of Summer on Tuesdays and Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on BC Sports Northwest and Rich City Radio 620. Uh, as well, we are also streaming the show on Twitter and Periscope, so go ahead and get it there. Um, we're basically everywhere you can get rid of us. Uh, my new podcast, Long Shot Speculations, with the legalization of gambling, will be coming out next week. I'm actually really thinking about that now. Hey, uh, I, I want in on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, folks, don't worry, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, everywhere else you're podcasting, the Almighty Baller Podcast Radio Network. Go to iTunes, like, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, leave us reviews, work the systems, you know what to do. Uh, for Tara, for Steve, I'm Danny. We'll go ahead and catch you guys later. Take care.